Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Bear Hicken Bros. And we have Nick with us. Hello. We got we have some phones that we're going to talk about. And uh, yeah, we're just going to catch up with each other for a little bit and we'll get into the topics. We're also going to talk about self-driving cars. I <laughs> I like to talk about that for some reason. I really want uh, to have a self-driving car where use the service as soon as possible <laughs> and we have a couple other topics like the new Nightwish album that we're going to talk about and Echo I think became live yesterday or the day before so Nick what have you been up to? Well um, it kind of feels like I haven't been up to very much but just I guess staying entertained um, trying to keep on some sort of schedule but really not not doing too much working on some music stuff getting some songs sketched out um you know i don't really do anything with the music but at least i've, I've had a couple of successes recently with some fun little songs so that's nice so how many songs are you working on a few um you know I, it's hard for me to completely finish anything but i'll get something kind of sketched out and then i'll record it and then maybe i'll lose interest or i'll keep working on it but it's, just, it's kind of a fun hobby to have during all these extra hours of time you can just sit in front of the computer and get the music done you know honestly i've been listening to mm -hmm. um, a lot of music recently like the new nightwish album that's come out and that leaves me down uh, a massive kind of rabbit hole of listening to more music and then getting really inspired to write music and so i've been kind of in a music <laughs> mode for the last week or two nice so how much progress have you made when you go like percentage you go you went from like nine to ten percent or <laughs> what how many how many have i finished or how much progress have you made well i mean some songs it, i guess for the hardest part for me is finishing all the parts of a song right because i'll sit sometimes at a piano and i'll write what i think sounds like a good verse or a good chorus or something but there's always one part that's for whatever reason it's hard it's usually the bridge or whatever else so i don't know i finished like uh, I'd say one and three quarters songs in the last week, so that's kind of nice. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, I don't know. I need to keep working on that, but it's fun. It's with the with the software and the different uh, virtual instruments. You can just keep adding orchestra as much as you want. Just keep adding more and more detail. So it's um, never really ending. <laughs> yeah, since the last episode, I've been trying to get into linux because it's kind of the same reason that i quit uh google i'm trying to quit windows and use linux but uh yeah my <laughs> i have uh, programs on my computer that i can't ri get rid of so i'm trying to use a f flash drive and i'm trying to find a really minimalistic one that i could i don't think i really need that much power <laughs> to do my simple things like record and write and stuff so i'm still fine looking for a distribution that i that'll work for me i like uh the linux community because it kind of feels like a small town or small businesses that you're working with that the i listen to a couple podcasts and uh one podcast hosted the uh, tuxedo computers they e they even uh, keep the warranty even if you take apart your computer to do basic maintenance and stuff like that so the the service is way beyond i don't know 
normal <laughs> they offer the best uh, design computers best uh, software experience and they're not like trying to use all the data they can offer you to make a bunch of money off of you and stuff so i like it i remember back i would like uh, install linux into like every computer i could <laughs> and then one day my dad was like turning on the computer like what's this and like just use it and like i can't do anything <laughs> i can't use my microsoft <laughs> i can't use my word i can't like do my um invoices and <laughs> he's like kind of stuck in what he can't do <laughs> yeah and then and when i was like at computer i just have like a flash drive and just boot up into that and just have my own like confined every program and everything documents i had on my flash drive so what have you been up to trevor just um played overwatch in uh some final fantasy 14 yeah nice um so there was a, a one plus event yesterday um they revealed the newest uh flagship uh, it's a OnePlus 8 Pro, so it's they're competing with uh, the likes of like the S20 or the 11, iPhone 11. So it's nice. It has all mm-hmm. the top-end specs you'd expect, like a higher refresh rate, 120 hertz, the top-end Snapdragon, the 865s, 5G. They have the usual like warp charge, and they actually introduced a wireless charging. So now they can uh, wireless charge using the proprietary wireless charger up to like 30 watts. That's pretty high. Which is super. Yeah, it's supposed to like charge this equal time as a regular like plugged in charger. And they have a quad camera system, which is a 48 megapixel. Oh, no, 48 megapixel quad camera. I think it just means like. Uh, it's really good 12 megapixel shots hmm. I'm not sure but the screen looks really nice yeah OnePlus is uh, they're like under the uh, Opal line for enterprise I guess you'd say because I remember you were kind of on them pretty quick in the beginning wow. when they first started making phones didn't was am I correct in remembering that one of the phones they made that you had was the one with the rough backing like it was a kind of a dark gray and it had a different texture than most phones at the time do you remember yeah, that one yeah it was like yeah, I think it's called. Was it, I think it's Sandstone. Uh, yeah, that's what it felt like. Was that One Plus or was that a different company? Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's One Plus. It was like the One Plus One and the Two. They kind of well now they've gone away, gone away from that. They've gone like all glass. <laughs> it's good because now they have that wireless charging, but their displays are supposed to be the uh, the most accurate to life. Um compared to any of this flagship, I guess. And yeah, I probably will get one when the green version's available. It's supposed to be available in like 14 days. Wow. You can buy, like, I think the black and the white ones were like sold out in the, within minutes, but wow. the new one, the wow. green one's like, you have to wait. Well, it'll be interesting to see what you think about it, Come, since you're already coming from a pretty high-end phone to begin with. Yeah, I was thinking about... Um, Maybe send uh, my old one, the Pixel 4, to Alex. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to 
learn how it's like to have face ID. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice weird. because also you'd have a, a nice camera for like shots when you go running or something. <laughs> yeah. I do with what I can. <laughs> okay, so it does have quad camera. So it has a 48 megapixel wide angle. Um, it has a 3 centimeter macro mode, 120 field of view. And then they have an 8 me me megapixel hybrid zoom camera, a 48 megapixel main camera, and then a 5 megapixel color filter camera for a uh, photochrome filter. Hmm. I wonder what that's about. Um, I guess it has some other language I don't understand. It's like a one uh, <laughs> slash one point four inch sensor with dynamic video and an all pixel omnidirectional PDAF. I'm not sure. What that Phase is. detection autofocus. It's like it's a faster, more accurate autofocus. Is that like standard now in most cameras? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to seeing like how this does because I heard like the last OnePlus phone's camo is pretty terrible. Really? So it's supposed to be like a, a big good like bump up. <laughs> the green looks really nice. Alex thinks it's ugly. I think it looks pretty. <laughs> I like when people release things in different you know colors that are not just um, the standard black and white. It is interesting that like green is now this color. You know, like the iPhone came out in green, and now this is in green. Green's just sort of popular, I guess. Maybe next year it'll be blue or whatever other color. Yeah, I'm looking forward to get it. And then, uh, well, it's not really a new phone, but LG has a new design language and naming scheme. They're going away with the G series, so there's no. Uh, like G1 up to what they are now, I think six, seven, eight, I don't know, I lost count. So now they have a, uh, a fresh design that's supposed to have more like, it looks like it's more like symmetrical, more like circular, and supposed to be more pleasing to the, the eye and touch. Metallic frame between uh, glass at the front and the back. Is it just a design concept? No, yeah, it's supposed to. They're supposedly, they're supposedly like um, stopping with the G series phone. They're gonna go with this new Velvet series. So they're gonna have like uh, instead of a numbered system, they're gonna have like expressive names that capture the essence of the device. Hmm. So. No, oh, is the G series the high end? The G series. Oh, I'm thinking about. The G series is like the the first flagship of the year, and then they have the V series, which is like the second one of the year. So you could compare it to like oh a, yeah, like a S series and the Note series, and what Samsung used to do. It totally. I'm looking at the, mm -hmm. the design pictures, and it definitely reminds me of the old uh, the Galaxy Notes when they first started doing the curved edges, where the screen would curve on the sides. It's kind of, I mean, it's a similar design to that. Yeah. Actually, OnePlus 8, the OnePlus 8 has that same curved screen. I'm not really looking forward to that, but I guess I'll have to get used to it. It's interesting. Whenever I saw the, in pictures, it kind of looks futuristic and cool. Like years ago, I was like, well, you know, this is kind of novel having the screen go. But then when I saw them in real life, it really didn't impress me that much. Like, 
kind of was trying to, I had to, I held one in my hand once and I, I thought to myself, this doesn't really look any better. And if anything, it just makes stuff on the edges of the screen look like they're curving down. So I don't know. I guess it's not, I mean, maybe it's just me because I'm not used to it. I've only ever had flat screen phones, but it's, um, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that it's like really useful or even that aesthetically pleasing once the screen is on. Yeah, I just feel like it's easier to just, like slip out of your hands because it's not like a flat surface to put your hands around. Yeah, that's LG's update. Hopefully they release something new. And I always feel like LG's the underdog, like the the little brother of Samsung. Like Samsung gets all the marketing <laughs> and they always outsell them. LG like never does anything. They just like quietly release their flagships and the phones like, are pretty they have good. Good products. Yeah, like I used to, I had like the V20, the V30, and yeah, those were really good devices. Yeah, Samsung's the juggernaut in the room with the, like you said, all the marketing power. And they just have so many phones too. We always focus on the high-end ones, you know, because we're interested in the really high-end phones. But most people don't buy those. A lot of people, tons of the phones that I see other people have are like the kind of not as exciting, cheaper or last models. Uh, the ones from a year or two ago or the ones that are new but they're the mid-range or lower ones from samsung where they're not really like uh you know they're not the newest and most interesting but people just buy them because they're cheap or for whatever reason maybe they like samsung um it's kind of interesting interesting to me to see how many ran- random phones that people use that are by samsung and i always think oh is that the new and i can't tell what it is because there's just so many of them i know i think they starting to go away with some of those like extra models hopefully i don't know well i suppose there's a place for it i mean if they want to cover a broad range of price points and they want um you know maybe in their mind they could have a model for everybody you know i understand that a little bit i like it when the product line is more simple because it's easier for most people to understand but it does seem to be kind of whatever they're doing seems to work for them because they're selling a lot of phones samsung's like the philosophy just throw everything at the wall and hopefully it something works <laughs> yeah that's for sure <laughs> what do you think of the iphone se nick i uh i'm a i'm a pretty big fan of the concept of the iphone se um the first iphone se that came out i was like i never got one but i was i was really glad that it, it existed i always bought um whatever the higher end kind of you know high-end phone was because i really like to have those but for a lot of the original iphone se was a really popular phone and i think that there's been some talk about how even to Apple kind of exceeded expectations in terms of sales. Uh, it's a winning formula. You know, they take a design that people mm-hmm. really like. It might It's kind of dated in some ways with the big bezels, but people who buy iPhones, a lot of them don't care. You know, it's like those people who buy the lower end Samsung phones. They just want these, these customers want an iPhone and it starts new at 400 bucks and it has the current processor in it, which is really, really good. You know, their, their chipsets yeah. are like about a year ahead at least or one or two years ahead of some of the, the uh, Android ones in terms of the raw speed they have. So for them to put that high end processor into a $400 phone, um, it's pretty great. You know, that, that means this is going to be getting software updates for a long time and it means it's going to be fast for a long time. Uh, you know, some of the other tech is pretty pedestrian. The screen is not that big, and it's the specs are not amazing. And the camera, everything about it's you know it's like mid range, which is fine. A lot of people want that. I think it's cool. Um, it looks fine. It doesn't look amazing, but it doesn't look awful. It looks like an iPhone eight, which looks a lot like a seven, which is similar to a six. You know, they haven't evolved that that much. <laughs> but it comes in a it comes in a really nice yeah. red. So you know, if if, if I was in yeah, the market I for it, I would say. buy that. 
Like I mean, those stimulus checks are coming, and they announced it right on the same day, one day. Hmm. Uh, mm, do I need to replace my iPhone 11 <laughs> Pro Max with a fucking iPhone SE? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, just go around town. Take well, a it, it would basically be my, you know, that palm, what was it? The palm, that little palm phone that's be supposed to be your phone away from your phone. <laughs> Except I'll just be getting a, an yeah. iPhone SE and I'll just put my SIM into that for like my relaxing time. And then I'll use my iPhone Pro for all the other time. That totally makes sense to me. You're right. You've sold me on it. I mean, you can get that red. The red is beautiful. The so. red, I honestly, I mean, I if, if something comes in red, I will, I will buy it and I will pay more for it. You know, so so I'm a, I'm a victim of that marketing. It comes in a beautiful red color. I want what I want is the iPhone 11 Pro in red. You know, or the iPhone 12. I want that in red. If that ha- if that happens, then I will definitely upgrade. But I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy about the iPhone SE for the people for the people who are going to want it. You know, it's, I'm glad it exists. It's cool. I don't know. It's not, not a very exciting phone because there's nothing new about it. It's just all. It's just a bunch of good parts and old parts thrown together. So good on you, Apple. I'm just surprised how they actually featured the, um, what is it, the 13? Oh, the the processor? Yeah, that's like, I guess they have so many of them lying around, I guess they can just sell it at such a low-end price. I guess. I mean, and there is there are kind of a lot of differences just in the design and like other specs where I get that it can be cheaper, but... Uh, that I think is the best thing about the phone that they put current tech in- into the phone it's not like you're buying a processor that's two or three years old already you know that's I, I don't think it's very easy to find Can, are there Android phones where it's like a $400 phone which is not high end but it comes with the highest possible like CPU spec I don't know about that no that's what I was thinking so like the four, uh, the 3A that came or yeah 3A that came out last year it's like the same price as what came out was coming out with the SE this year but it's like a mid-range phone. I mean, it's the newest mid-range like processor from uh, what is it, the Snapdragon line. But it's not like flagship, but still like uh, the highest mid-range you can get. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's. I'm so used to Apple doing um, some things with some of, some of their devices where, you know, they they sell the some of the computers historically have been sold with what I consider way to be way too little RAM or, you know, the storage on iPhones with 16 gigabytes for way too long. So it's like, I'm not, you know, they, no, they sh- nobody should be proud of selling devices like that. But then they come around and do something like this where they end up putting one really high spec into something that you wouldn't really expect. So I thought that was pretty great. I think the original iPhone SE did that too. They took whatever was in the current high-end iPhone and just put it in there. So hopefully they'll continue to do that for more things, keep putting their best processors into stuff. That's one of the strongest things they have right now is their processors. Yeah, Google is supposedly making their own uh, in-house processors and SOCs now. I saw that. That's interesting. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense with the success that Apple's had. I mean, their their design team has been, like I said, like far ahead, kind of uh, of some of the other processors they can buy. So maybe Google wants to start, you know, accelerating the development of their own processors to make sure they remain competitive. Oh yeah, I was gonna. Mm-hmm. What's a uh, like default or the low base and. Uh storage capacity i think for the iphone se i think it's 64 that's a, that's good i mean yeah, like it's fine i think get, a, get, a, get by with it yeah i haven't looked at the prices for the higher storage upgrades but they've actually not been so bad recently i think the iphone 11 goes you only have to pay like 50 bucks more or something to get a lot more storage so it's not it's not heinous like it used to be completely like a hundred dollars for a hundred more gigabytes so 
I know. I mean, it used to be like a hundred dollars <laughs> to go from sixteen to thirty-two. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're past those days. Yeah. We're yeah. In the I don't know. My original iPhone was, what was it? It was six hundred dollars for eight gigs. I think. Eight. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think didn't it come in like four and eight? I don't wow. know. I mean, granted, that was thirteen years ago, <laughs> but still, it kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. And when I switched over to Xfinity, I had to bring an Apple phone, and I got the SE. I really like the design. The back of the phone is flat. There's no camera bump, and it has the old classic design. So Yeah, nice and small. That's the main reason why I bought it. it was, I liked it. Oh, I did see this, like, heading. It was like, oh, buy the new iPhone SE with the classic design. It was like... Maybe it's classic to like the first phones like for Gen Z viewers. So like, oh yeah, back in the old days we had the the button <laughs> like this. And... That, honestly, though, they've done. Like, re- maybe I think people it. research it, and like that is there are a lot of customers who, yeah, you know, we think of ourselves as people who want the newest thing, but I, I can think of tons of people that even I know who use iPhones where like they wouldn't even want the new like a iPhone 11. They just want one that looks just like their old one, but is you know maybe faster or has a better battery. Like, it's not as exciting, but there are tons of people who don't even care. You know, they just want something that's familiar and that works well. Hmm. I mean, like, I'm not saying that everybody should want that. I love having the newer technology. And I think people eventually, everybody eventually wants it. But, you know, everybody knows those people in your life who they don't care about having the newest thing. They just want something familiar. It's kind of like that with people and maybe the cars they drive or whatever else. Some people don't care as long as it gets you here to there, you know. This is like the PT Cruiser of iPhones. Okay, well, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is like the the Honda Civic of iPhones. Let's put it that way. You know, not not glamorous, but anybody could use it. <laughs> PT the, Cruiser, the SSI. <laughs> you should get one of those. Trevor. Classic. PT Cruiser, maybe. No, well, I mean, yeah, any of those. You should. You should. <laughs> did they make a PT Cruiser with all-wheel drive? I feel like maybe they did. I don't know. Dude, if they did, I'd I'd do it. I'd I know. Then you around. could use it. You could do snow <laughs> cruising in that. Yeah. Put some snow tires on your PT. <laughs> make it convertible. Put the windows down and get snowed on. I think they actually had convertible PT Cruisers though, like real ones, didn't they? Yeah, we had a uh, yeah, they did. we had a neighbor back in uh, Capitola that had one. Well, yeah. down the street, maybe it wasn't directly in the neighborhood, but I remember seeing one. Yeah. Wow, that must have been pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, we had. I mean, my dad had a really nice one. It went like what ten years, twelve years, pretty long way. The purple one, right? No, it's like a. Uh, what was it? Red, dark blue. Oh, maybe I misremembered. Oh, the dark blue. Yeah. Hmm. Did you guys ever have a red or a purple minivan? Is that your mom's? Yeah, we had minivans. Okay, yeah. maybe that's why yeah. I'm confusing it. You had a blue, blue and a red, and I'm thinking purple, but whatever. I just remember you guys having the PT. <laughs> Iconic. I think there were a couple people in our complex that had purple PT cruisers. There's at least one of them. <laughs> I love. I love that, that there were multiple one. people. With PT cruisers in one complex, that there was is like straight. three. 
<laughs> there was one that yeah, like he would use ridiculous. like sometimes he lived like at the front of the complex and there's one that's like a neighbor he'd like poke right next to us sometimes so those are called the weekend wheels you don't want to wear them out during the day for your daily commute you want to take it out for special events <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's what you do with the the new iphone se you just flip it out and like yeah, well i'm going on a weekend drive and yeah, I gotta look. I gotta look. Your red iPhone SE. Really awesome with my red iPhone. <laughs> What's your Auto X? Is that a cool new phone, also? No, Auto X is uh, it's a Chinese self-driving car company. Surprisingly, this uh, self-driving car company. Actually, is the first uh, robo taxi self-driving car company in California to offer like actual this actual service to people in California. It's already but working. But right now they could, yeah, in California in uh, North hmm. San Jose and Santa Clara. They've been there since like June or so of yeah, last year. I have to worry about human contact there. Then I guess that's true. The one thing that's kind of weird is that they're in the beta testing, so they're not allowed to charge. So, and, and charge people. Yeah, they're not allowed to charge people. They just they they're just doing beta testing right now, just to make sure everything works and stuff. I feel like I wouldn't be comfortable in a beta testing car, though. The article was old, so I was just checking in on that information. So like, what if my, I'm like driving around and then like I crash? Like I would do coming home from San Jose. <laughs> well, if you're driving the PT, I'd be more worried about the other car. I know. <laughs> the PT is probably going to go back. <laughs> Not the other car. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so is the AutoX like a, uh, built on like existing cars or they're like their own like custom made cars? They, I think they have, they have another Chinese company make it for them, but they, I think they add their thing onto it, kind of like how um, Waymo does it. But the news that I wanted to share about it recently is uh, that, I think it was yesterday, Shanghai approved AutoX to serve one of their districts. Is called uh, the Jidong District, and in September they're going to release uh, 100 self-driving cars to serve that community. And yeah, so that's pretty so they're cool, gonna be driving on roads with other human-controlled cars. <laughs> yeah, is this common around the world, or is this like the is it notable for being like the first widespread deployment, or are there other places in the world where this is already happening? Um, I don't know if there's any other places. I I just saw so far it's in California and Shanghai. Oh, well, I mean, it's good to me. I I'm hoping China isn't like putting their own people at risk. We'd think they'd have it deemed like not beta anymore if they're driving around. Yeah, I might have to do the different standards that different places put onto that. You know, the standards in one country might be a lot higher versus the other. So is there, like, uh, ballpark and how much they're charged for, like, a ride? Is it, like, Uber or something? 
I do not know. <laughs> I think it's funny because the article in China is saying that this this app that they're going to have is popular, even though they didn't even release it yet. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe they yes. have an existing app that they use and they're just going to build it in. Yeah. They're also serving uh, Shenzhen. Just uh, Shenzhen, Shanghai, and Silicon Valley. Isn't Shenzhen like uh, the capital of where like everything is in for tech? Yeah, I think sometimes I've I've bought things from Apple and like they get shipped from Shenzhen or something. Yeah, they made that city like a special technology place. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like the Chinese Silicon Valley. I know like OnePlus is based there and some other um, startups. Did you um, read about the Mars helicopter, Alex? No, I just shared it with you because you like to talk about, or you had a little interest in astronomy and space yeah, of type course. stuff. It's interesting because NASA, they're going to launch this new uh, Mars helicopter um, for the Mars 2020 mission. But they're not like going for like research or like for like checking out stuff. It's just like to show that or to test out like how helicopters fly on uh, Mars. So it's it's really? pretty like casual, yeah. So after like the 14th week, they are going to um, send it and they're going to actually like pilot it like uh, around Mars. They're not. It's not going to be like a drone. They're actually like piloting it. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, they're not they're not going to be there, but I mean, like the helicopter is going to be controlled. It's not going to be like going on and so and doing stuff. That's crazy to remote control uh, like a drone over millions of miles. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the first time mankind has ever like flown something on another planet other than Earth. <laughs> that's crazy yeah i'm all into like the drones and the exploration of different of mars and all that i've been I, I don't know i mean i don't know a lot about it but i love watching videos on youtube about um the things that they find or the different things that are going to happen so i think i don't know i love hearing that some effort is still being put into this exploration because so, so many times we have so many problems going on on this planet that um it's nice to know that some that there are people still working to explore space yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a podcast about uh, space exploration and trying to see if there's life in other planets and stuff. And it's crazy how much data they can get out of just one little pass or something. And I'm surprised how they're not really trying to get that much data out of this <laughs> operation. Yeah, there's a lot of data you can get from... So we have so many different, like telescopes and different ways to like pick up like what kind of materials out there now and what the percentage is and from that you can like read how much the atmosphere is like compare it to our earth and see if it's livable <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, this helicopter is going to generate its own like electrical power through a solar panel and then it's going to go like blast off and just fly around yeah, I I hope they like compensate. I 
the gravity. I don't know. The gravity is a lot less, so it might fly a lot easier. But all so the what's it called? Isn't the atmosphere a lot less? So it might. I don't know. It's really hard to know exactly how to prepare. Well, the planet's smaller, and it's and therefore has a lower gravitational force on it. So, I mean, it's not gonna have to push up hard, that much to like fly. Yeah, but I don't think it has a lot of atmosphere to be able to like use the air to fly. I don't know. It's it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, there's no oxygen. I mean, maybe there is a little bit, but I mean, it's probably not enough to breathe, but should be able to push around some yeah. kind of air. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. So Nick, do you want to start with your review of the new Nightwish album? Um, yeah, I could talk a little bit about that. <laughs> um, I, I, it's kind of hard. I mean, I just, uh, I've listened to it a lot and... Uh, I guess for anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know about that band, they're a um, symphonic rock band from Finland, and they've been around for quite some time now, like 20 years at least, maybe 25 in a few years. And they just released a new album uh, a couple, about a week ago maybe, or a week ago, a little less than a week ago. And it's it's pretty good. I like it. Um, I've listened to it, like I said, a lot. It's very, it's different. It's what everything I wanted the last album to be, to be honest. So I've been very happy to have something new to listen to. Um, the biggest one of the biggest differences to me is that uh, it's the first main album to lack a complete orchestra accompaniment in since 2004 or possibly 2002 or one I think it's been a long time that they've been using a full orchestra and it some of the songs are fine without it you know they sound great but uh, there are definitely a few songs where I think to myself wow I really could imagine the orchestra being used in this part of the song and really adding to it so I don't know whether it was completely just a creative decision to scale back and make the band shine more, or maybe it was a budgetary thing and they couldn't hire the arranger and the orchestra for that much time. I'm not really sure, but I mean, I like it. It's a good album. It's just, I listen to so much Nightwish. I've listened to some of their albums so many times that it's, it's going to take me a while to kind of absorb and decide where I think it sits for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Trevor listened to it. What do you think, Trevor? I listened to it once. I didn't have the greatest quality. And like I was working and kind of roughly listened to it. But I liked it. Like you said, it's lacking of the full orchestra. But it's good. I like It's very surprising. I've yeah, the melodies are definitely very different compared to some of the other stuff they did. You know, some of the songs, they have different... Uh, they're more... I think you somebody could make an argument that it's one of their best albums just musically like the way the songs are written are much more i'd say complex and interesting um and that doesn't yeah. make them easier to listen to you know i think there are probably a lot of people who would rather listen to dark passion play or century child or something just because it's easier to digest whereas this is it's not as mm-hmm. catchy but it's really good music you know there's like a few good songs like uh, the harvest is easy listening i would say like you could just put that on and anyone would enjoy it i feel like that's definitely like a very accessible yeah song. i like that harvest song the harvest song kind of popped out to me and it sounded a little more traditional and they're able to put make it a little more heavy but it's 
bearable, <laughs> not too hardcore. Um, what I thought about it is that Nightwish really brought the symphony into the symphonic metal. You were saying that they don't have the symphony orchestra, but I could like imagine a lot of like concert bands in high school and stuff like getting the music and playing this. I don't know. <laughs> There's, I don't know how many songs, but there's a lot of instrumental songs. And, yeah. It's interesting to me to see, um, I don't, I don't, again, like, I'm not privy to how the songs are written. You know, I know he writes the way he writes, and I don't know anything more than that. But I think something about the way that the melodies are sung and the way they're structured definitely seems like after the songwriter had time to get to know Floor's voice, the singer, you can really see that it was written differently. You know, the first album they did with her was fine it was good but it wasn't anything new whereas this album i feel like it takes advantage of what she can do as a vocalist which is much more interesting to me it's the same thing with our last singer when they did Definitely. dark passion play with annette it was a good album like it was a great album of music but it didn't use her voice in a particularly interesting way and then the next album imaginarum was basically written for her voice and she sang in all different ways on that album that she didn't do in the first one so i think that's what Flora's doing in this in this latest nightwish album you know she's playing up her strengths She's got these very good, her voice is so agile. She can uh, sing really complex melodies very accurately. So they really play with that in a few of the songs. I was going to say, yeah, like uh, definitely take advantage of it. Like in Shoemaker, it's really nice. And a lot of different like varieties in it. It's, I have to admit, it's felt really, really good to be able to have an Irish song with a, such a pronounced classical part. You know, there's this operatic thing at the end of Shoemaker's like, it's just such good fan service. I know that they, they probably like that so- sound too, but I know s- there are so many people who listen to Nightwish who they still, we all still really love hearing those classical vocals. So to get, uh, you know, one or two minutes of that at the end of that one song, uh, just feels really nice. I think as somebody who likes that, that kind of singing, the beautiful, she, and she's just so good at it too. You know, she does a really, really good job. It's not like some fake opera. Like she has the technique and she has the skill to really pull it off. It really, it, want, it really makes me want to see that album live. I'm, I'm curious because she pretty much always sounds better live. The, the recordings are good, but I think that it's, it's basically been proven that she's a super, super strong live vocalist. And some of the songs will be really interesting to hear, right. you know, like how, how she pulls it off. I'm, I, I have total confidence that she'd be able to sing them all. But like I said, some of them are kind of complex and it would be just really cool to see that. And some of the ones that aren't as... That, the, the album does not sound super heavy to me, but knowing that it would sound heavier live would be fun. You know, I could definitely, there's a couple of songs where I could just imagine jumping around in a big crowd of people, you know, post coronavirus and uh, <laughs> enjoying it. In, in the good old days. Yeah, I was surprised. I saw uh, underneath one of the videos that they're selling tickets for a show in like September. I don't know if they're going to stick to it, but <laughs> yeah, it seems like I feel like they... that's kind of borderline now. We'll have to see what happens, but I don't think that they hadn't really planned an actual U.S. tour f- for this year. They had a couple of dates, so I, I, as far as it's not like I had we had tickets to any show that got canceled. So hopefully things will settle down by sometime next year where they can tour again and tour this country for us so that we can see them. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And I, I'm also really curious what other songs they'll put on the set list. Because, of course, they'll play most of the songs from this album. But maybe we'll get a couple other cool old songs that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll probably definitely play those uh, two new singles from uh, Human Nature. Yeah. I mean, they'll probably play prob- most of the album, to be honest. Like, you know, when they tour for an album, they play, like, most of it. 
So I could see them playing like six or seven or eight songs from Human Nature and then sprinkling in a few other oldies. Yeah. But yeah, I'm basically on a Nightwish high right now. Yeah, I mean, unrelated to Nightwish, I saw like the Camelot's like updated their schedule and now they're still touring in uh, South America later this year. I was surprised. Well, I mean, I don't know. By then, maybe things will be a little bit better. I don't know. It's really hard to say. There's so much uncertainty, which makes it very difficult for, for let alone us. I mean, like them, the people. Imagine having to be somebody's a band's manager or you know a team who's trying to decide all this. Like, there's so much money and time and people and effort involved in these big tours that um, it must be really difficult to be trying to plan that right now. And just you know, you have to kind of throw your cards in and say. I think it's going to be fine by this time or it's not going to be fine or we do or don't have to cancel. I don't I don't envy the people in those positions right now. That would be difficult. How are you guys enjoying Echo and Overwatch? I think she's a, a fresh uh, addition to the, to the teams. You can play around with her. She's super, like, underrated, I think, right now. She's not, like, super OP or, like, not getting like like quadruples or like super team changing. She, well, she didn't, I mean, like, she, the we played that. Yet. We played around where she copied the soldier, got her ult immediately, and totally screwed us over. So I mean, she can work pretty well. Right, but I mean, like compared to what Sigma brought to, is like another shield would like actually like change the meta. I feel like she's not as game changing. As I think she'll be a character is. where once people get really good with her, they'll be really good. You know, like the people once you master her flying and manage her cooldowns, I think it'll be a lot different than the first day when everybody's just trying her and doesn't really know what they're doing. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, so I didn't. I was not very effectual. No one knows what they're doing. We never know what we're doing. I've played <laughs> fifteen hundred hours of this game. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it could be top 500. We don't never know. Uh, or is this bronze? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think Echo, she's like a assassin. She has a lot of burst damage, so she has like good potential there. Like if someone's already damaged, like one of her like um, sticky bomb things can like usually get rid of one person. Yeah, if you land all the sticky bombs and then a couple of shots, you can pretty easily kill small uh, heroes with a small health pool. I'm impressed with how yeah. short the cooldown is on her sticky bombs. I mean, that's it. Seem it just feels short when you're playing with her. You feel like you kind of have them a lot of the time. So, I mean, it might be the wrong way to play her, but when I was when I was trying her out, I could just kind of keep spamming them around. You, you do a considerable amount of damage just with those. I know flying is on a short cooldown I feel also it's like the same rate six seconds so like I compared to Faro or like Mercy where you had to like wait for your ultimate she's like always in the air yeah it definitely feels like the flying mechanic is a lot more consistent than Faro's to me Faro once I'm because I'm not that good of a Faro player when, I, when I'm up in the air I'm always kind of worried about I don't know am I like if I if I get if I fall down I'm not gonna be able to get up get back up for a little while whereas with um, Echo it's not really an issue. You can just kind of fly back up. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if the play is that much different, but it seems like if you're, you're still flying with Farah and you want to continue flying, it seems like it's not too much of a difference to transition to Echo. 
It's sort of like playing with Farah and then using Genji's primary fire. Like his, it's a combination of both playstyles, I think, because you have the projectiles that are not super fast. So you're throwing those out, and then you're also flying. So it's it's kind of an interesting combination of two different heroes. And then the ultimates, mm-hmm. it's like basically you clone someone, and then you have like a short t- amount of time to do enough damage to like use your ultimate once or even twice. Like we had one one match yesterday like she copied like a hanzo and she used like two dragon strikes in a row and i was like what it's like insane <laughs> yeah that's, it was kind of surprising to see somebody pull that off immediately so do either of you have like a, a style that you think you'd match using echo or is it kind of one of the extra guys that you probably like uh nick says probably gonna take a while for either of us to like get used to your playstyle to like be able to use you effectively i i'm not going to use be able mm-hmm. to use you like well probably had to practice a while to get like used to flying and how you damage like because the sticky bombs they like do damage like in a delay like a second after so it's kind of hard to like predict when people would die or how to f- attack while flying i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I tend to prefer the hit scan heroes a little bit more. I think it just works better for the way I aim. Um, I can play Hanzo, who's not hit scan, but other than that, I usually stick to like I don't know McCree or Widow or whoever else. So I don't know. Maybe I do think for some reason I think she's easier to use than Farah for me. But we'll have to see. I'm not sure if I'll play her a lot, but I'm glad she's in the game. <laughs> yeah, but I'm always like when I'm flying and I'm not brave enough to like fire while I'm flying because. I'm not good at flying, so I can't, like, keep myself up. So, like, if I fall, I'm, like, vulnerable. So I'm, like, on the ground shooting all the time. That's, like, the same <laughs> thought I have with Echo, so. Yeah. Um, I just like trying to get an ultimate, like, <laughs> using her and trying to get, like, two ultimates off in a row. Um, I know. Just, you have to copy that Widow, get Infrasight, then it's over. <laughs> just, just copy Widow, get a couple headshots and Infrasight. Exactly. <laughs> Inversite is the win condition. We know this. But if you get two, it's you really won the, won the match. So I don't think it's not probably not even possible to get two Inversites, right? Because the Inversite lasts for ten or fifteen seconds or whatever. <laughs> so by the time it runs out, you would have lost your Echo ult. But one one is enough. One is already so powerful. Yeah, I'm more excited to see Echo in the Overwatch League because. People are insane. They like play hours upon hours. Like, I don't know. It's your life. So, that's true. It'll be fun to watch people who are very good at what they're doing play her. You know, it'll take the guesswork out of it. For us, we're maybe not sure. We're not good at it. Whereas them, pretty pretty quick, they'll pick it up and be able to basically show the rest of us how she should be played. <laughs> she show us how how it's done. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That seems to be the episode. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Nick. Thank you for having me here. One thing I was realizing lately is that there's a lot of people making a lot of content, so <laughs> I'm very grateful for you uh, spending your time to listening to us, this little podcast. And yeah, so it's good to catch up with you, Nick, and I'll talk to you later. See ya. See ya.